get over Ming's kingdom, we should land near the entrance of the abandoned drain tunnel. Our ship can be well concealed there. I remember the place. Hi, Barney here. Welcome to Loco Ludus, a podcast about homebrew gaming. My intention was, is, and will continue to be to explore board games, war games, and roleplay games. However, at the moment, roleplay games have been taking the lion's share. Listeners will know that I've mooted a Blade Runner roleplay game that cribs the dice system from Legend of the Five Rings. And that what I also want to do is to go back to the various source materials for Blade Runner and really try and push how those specific ideas about the setting can contribute at a mechanical level. That is to say, not just at a thematic level. A big surprise project has been the idea of running a series of Hammer Horror-themed games. And this has emerged out of uh, a message which I included a few episodes back from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, where he talked about homebrewing a Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter game. And I then suggested, why don't we try and run a series of games? Jason was really enthusiastic about that and started some discussion on the Audio Dungeon Discord group. And it's quite incredible how many people have started to show an interest in that and the degree to which they're showing an interest in that. So that's all come on quite a pace. And with a view to trying to have some kind of mechanics for the game series... I've put together some provisional ideas which have more or less coalesced into some kind of rule system. bit rough and ready at this stage, but that's also something to be discussed. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out, especially in relation to the different types of hammer-styled game we have. I've also been playing ICRPG, Index Card Role Playing, and we'll play another game next Tuesday. And so ICRPG is definitely looming pretty large at the moment. My brother and his partner, his fiancée, my stepdad and my stepmom are coming to visit this weekend and my brother called the other night and he said he really wants to play Into the Odd and Electric Bastion Land after hearing my interview with Chris McDowell.
my brother is also um, basically funding my my Kickstarter pledge for the game because it's my 40th birthday in January and that's really, really nice and good fun. So um, I'm particularly excited to try and run a little bit of uh, a bit of Into the Odd or Electric Bastion Land for him and for them this weekend. So there's all these wonderful different uh, role-playing things happening at the moment. Although, to some degree, that does eclipse the the wargaming a little bit and the, the board games. But I will get back to all of that. I mean, I've got a box from Warlord Games containing... The Judge Dread, the new Judge Dread miniatures game, and a couple more boxes for Strontium Dog, which I'm not allowed to open because it's not Christmas yet, because it's not birthday yet. So I am literally being restrained by my family uh, in terms of skirmish wargaming at the moment. With all of this role play gaming going on, my wife said to me the other night, well, does that mean you can get rid of all of that junk you want for scenery? I said, no, I want to carry on with the war games as well. So that's the situation I'm in right now. Anyway, I would like to focus in this episode on the idea of constraints in games. And that is because... I've got a particular uh, plug-in for role-play games that I tapped out a month or so ago, maybe a bit longer than that, which is some kind of constraint system. And I'd like to just, uh, I'd like to talk about that and I would like to give some kind of context, perhaps, around that too. The reason is, is because after a bit of umming and ahhing, I would like to include this constraint mechanic in my Hammer Horror games that I run. But first! Today I'm very pleased to say I have a special guest. I'm Ari, and I do not like games because they're annoying and they take so long. Finished. Now my dad can say something. <laughs> well, we certainly got an opinionated insight into Ori's mind there. <laughs> Are there no games that you like? Only Carcassonne. Mm. Um, more actually, no. But you'll play Carcassonne with me if if yes. I really want to. Yes. Yeah, I think it's Carcassonne's great not my favourite game, but I like it. Well, you know, you actually you've reminded me that I did want to talk about Carcassonne because really? so far I haven't spoken about any board games at all. What do you said about board games? I know. Well, I meant games with the miniatures or with role play oh. games as well. I suppose. I mean, do you, do you, I think you play with figures, don't you? 
Um, what figures do you play with? Um, I play with Schleich. What else? Playmobil. Yeah. Any others? Barbie sometimes. Yeah. Things with my friends. Do you play with Lego? Lego I don't do so much. No? Okay. When are we going to stop? Mm-hmm. But we've only been going for a minute and a half. Mm. Mm. And do you pretend to make stories up and stuff whilst you're playing with these figures? Um, no, just make stories. Oh. But do the, do the figures, are they, do they have a part in the stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah? A lot. Yeah? Whilst the horse has parts or the lady. And do the horses talk? Or he's eating a bread roll at the same time as talking, aren't you? Mm-hmm. At the same time as we're having this exclusive interview, you're noshing away on a bread roll. And there's my telephone. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get it. I know that there are a million different ways of thinking about gaming, about breaking it down, conceiving of it. But just for the sake of argument, just for this episode, shall we say, just for this topic, let's say that gaming is about the structuring of a set of constraints. Those are the rules, those are the stats, those are the, the format even of the game, the framing of it. But not just the flat framing, the multi-dimensional framing of it. A series of constraints. And what makes one game different from another and appeal to one person rather than to another is the way in which those constraints are configured, stacked, combined, uh, tiered, embedded within or in relation to one another. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et There'll be another million ways that we could we could conceive of that. So, constraints then are some kind of fundamental architectural concept for gaming. Let's say that that will do for today. So. I got some fresh impetus on this topic uh, last night, listening to the latest episode of What Would the Smart Party Do?, which was a panel discussion from Dragon Meat. And it's really interesting. It's really interesting. And everyone's very animated there. So it's a good, it's a good old discussion. And it is about how to be a better player. And so some of the some of the issues that come up in my talk are somehow they've 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 buffeted against against that episode there. So constraints then are also to do with the agency of the players what the players can and can't do. Also, about the agency of any characters or figures or 
tokens or pieces in any given game. So the agency of those parts, what those figures, characters, things can and can't do. So if we think of chess, for example, there's the agency of the player. There's the agency of the player against the player. There's the agency of the two players against the game. There is also this this agency of the pieces that they behave differently. And of course, there is a hierarchical relationship, as it were, but maybe it's not even that simple, between the player who moves the pieces and the pieces that are moved. However, and the reason it's more complicated is because, of course, the players can only move the pieces as per the rules. So there's a kind of cyclicality going on there. I would like to put forward two different types of constraint. I don't know if anyone else has done anything like this. It's not something that I'm aware of having heard so explicitly before. But it's certainly not anything too unfamiliar. Okay, I would like to propose... Constraints of limitation and constraints of possibility. Now, of course, a constraint is by nature a limitation. So these terms don't completely hold up under that kind of scrutiny. However, I think the point that I'm trying to make does, which is some constraints close down your possibilities, creativity, strategy, tacticality. Uh, Yeah, those kinds of things. Other constraints, other game constraints, actually engender, encourage, expand, animate... your decisions, your strategies, your tactics, and so on. So that's the, that's the key thing that interests me, is this idea that there might be some constraints which are limiting and other constraints that are positively facilitating. Now, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that it should be the second category that are of interest to us. Which is not to say that the first aren't useful in their place, but surely we all want to be playing games that present us with possibility rather than limitation. So, so, it is with that in mind that I came up with this role play plugin for constraints, and I'll go into that shortly. What triggered it in my mind was that 
it seems perhaps sometimes all too easy for players to simply get their characters to do something. So by the will of the player, they simply animate their character in the game, in the role-play game. And yet, of course, as role-players will know, suddenly, when you want to make your character do something, you might face a check or a roll, something that you may or may not fail to secure. Therefore, that is the point where the constraint comes in. You want to jump across the ravine. Pass the check. Pass the roll. You either do or you don't. That's the constraint coming into play there. And I started thinking about some other positioning of the constraint. But again, not in the sense of limiting, but actually encouraging or facilitating more dynamic role-playing. So here goes. I'm going to give a short overview of the mechanic that I've come up with. It fits on one page and I'll make that document available uh, as a link in the notes. It is, you know, a work in progress totally. So what I would love is to have some feedback on it from anyone who's interested and listening, see something in it. I called it an AI slash initiative plugin for RPG PCs and NPCs. So that is to say it has an artificial intelligence function and it will also provide an alternative to uh, initiative systems. Okay. Basically, it comes down to this. When when a particularly sticky, action-packed situation, dangerous situation is taking place in a game, when something is at stake, when there are when when the when the the, the players and the GM are really coming to uh, loggerheads, if you like, when their when their their respective projects are really uh, opposing each other, everyone rolls a d6. If you roll a one, you are ready to perform an action. If you roll a two, you are ready to perform a reaction. If you roll a three, you're ready to remedy something. If you roll a four, you are ready to assess something. And if you roll a five or a six, you have a free choice from those four. Action, reaction, 
remedy and assessment. Now, people might be screaming blue murder that this is too much of a constraint. Why would you even bother? But I think there's something interesting in this, and I think it's interesting for beginner players and for advanced players. And this comes back to my earlier point about it being too easy to control your your characters. I like this idea that you have a mechanic which simulates how characters behave in a given moment, in a given situation. Of course, you want to send your fighter in to perform an action. That's what you really want to do. But what if you roll remedy? That is a good old conundrum right there. Now, of course, with the free choice on a five and six, you've basically got a three and six chance of getting what it is you want. So it's by no means stripping out any of that kind of free choice. But what it simulates, again, is that in that particular moment, for better or worse, your fighter has decided that they're going to try and remedy something. That, to me, is a fascinating prospect. And that that forces the role player to really use their wits about how they're going to best do that and what they're going to do. Now, the categories are absolutely designed to be as loose as possible. The question of initiative, which this mechanic speaks to, is basically that if you roll a one or a five and a six and you want to perform an action, then you have that first initiative In this particular moment, again, for better or worse, you are the swiftest to act. One could get into how you sequence all of the people who've rolled ones, as it were, or actions. But then, if you roll a two... You then have a reaction. So after all of the actions have taken place, in some way you respond to that. Now that could be with by that could be by attacking back. It could be by supporting another player, reacting to a problem that has occurred in the actions. Three, a remedy. That, of course, is ideal for healing things, but it's also about solving things. So, again, you could be in a combat situation, and instead of just fighting with an action, although, of course, an action could be something else, or even a reaction, instead you you, you attempt to solve it, to remedy it in some way. Four assess, make an assessment. 
that whatever is going on, the character has decided that it wants to take detailed stock of everything that's going on. That, in my mind, would give some kind of bonus or advantage in a subsequent round for the thing that that character has observed. So, let me just read what I've got here. Actions are swift, decisive and often physical. Reactions come in response to events such as other PC or NPC actions. Remedies seek to solve, heal or restore something or someone. Assessments are used to observe, contemplate or test things or people so as to generate new knowledge for the future. A reaction can be used to support an action in the same round. A successful assessment can enhance a remedy in the same or a subsequent round. A good moment to use this mechanic is when PCs are ambushed to see how they instinctively respond to the situation. Likewise, if the PCs perform an ambush themselves, the mechanic can be used to define how the NPCs respond. Another example, a PC is in fierce hand-to-hand -hand combat. On the next round, they roll an assessment. While self-defence clearly remains possible, they cannot attack. Rather, they must hold out or hope for support from another PC. However, they can take the opportunity to look for any weaknesses their opponent might have or any environmental advantages they could exploit. GMs should offer something useful here, perhaps a gap in the NPC's armour, allowing it to be disregarded in subsequent rounds until the NPC is wounded and behaves more defensively. So, to move on to the initiative question again, the plug-in also functions as a loose initiative mechanism to define turn order. While actions might be performed first, followed by reactions, this is not a given, and the exact sequencing of both the PCs and NPCs rolled decisions must be worked out by the group. The common PCs before NPCs rule might be applied, just as NPCs might perform actions first if the PCs have none to use. GMs could take the prerogative to insert NPC rolled decisions wherever they see fit in the sequence of PC rolled decisions, subsequent to any actions. The dice rolled also function as markers for turns taken. So instead of proceeding with turn order in a clockwise or anti-clockwise direction or by using some initiative, other initiative system. Here, you simply have the dice, you work out, you move through the actions to the reactions or to the remedy, the assessments, whichever, whatever sequence you want, but probably starting with actions. And when people have performed their action, their, sorry, their turn, when they've had their decision, their turn, they simply take the dice away and you know how many people are left. So, constraints. That is clearly a constraint. It's a constraint on the role player that their character is compelled, impulsed 
to behave in a particular way. Now, I think handled in the right way, that can be a real opportunity for possibility. I see this as a constraint of possibility. In a later episode, when I talk specifically about the Hammer Horror game mechanics that I've been working on, I'd like to come back to this and imagine how that might work out there. I think that's all for now. Bye-bye.